You're listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast with Paula B, and this is episode number 33. Well, hello again, my friends. Welcome back to the Fitness Matters Podcast, where apparently I'm going to sing to you. But no, actually, it's where we talk about the fitness matters that matter to you. And I happen to know that this one matters because this has been, this is a topic that has been uh, popularly requested numerous times from numerous people, mostly in the Killer Beehive, my private interactive Facebook group that there will of course be a link to in the show notes or the description because it's where I have my best conversations with you truly. And so I was asked to address the topic of emotional eating. And that is what we are talking about today. You guys, you guys, you heard the big deep sigh. This one's this one's a topic that I feel I feel really good about talking to you about because it's something that I have both a lot of personal experience with and also I have I have come such a long way in my emotional eating journey that I'm I'm really excited to kind of share with you some of my insights and and help you with with your journey with it. Emotional eating is it's a tough one. It's a tough topic. It's, I have, I have really practical advice for you. I mean, like literally three step practical advice, actually probably four step practical advice. And it's, it's one of those topics that it's like, it's kind of simple, but it's also, it can be so complicated and, and we're just going to dive in. And here we go. We're going to dive in. Let's, let's talk about your brain. Okay. Let's talk about why we eat our emotions because, and I feel like, I feel like this is one of those topics that I don't really have to like have too much background on. Like I know that you know how this works. Like you get upset about something and you head to the pantry and then you overeat and then you're upset that you overate and it feels like such a weird reaction. It feels so out of control. Like why in the world when I'm having a bad day already, would I purposefully, like why would I choose to make it worse by feeling bad about myself by overeating. And yet, and yet this is so common. This is such a super, super, super common thing that so many of us do that, I mean, there's got to be a reason, right? Well, of course there is. My friends, my friends, here's the thing. We are hardwired. I mean, like our brains are hardwired from many, many, many millions of years ago when we were first created, when we first, even before we were human beings, when we were, you know, whatever came before human beings. I don't know. I don't know why I try and say these things, but but we are hardwired. Our brains are supposed to, like this is the way brains work. We are supposed to seek pleasure and avoid pain. All animals do this. This is this is the way of the world. This is not something that we have any control over. Your brain works this way. We seek pleasure, we avoid pain. The end. And the thing is, for like 99.9% of things in the world, this totally works for us. I mean, we seek to avoid, you know, a burning sensation in our hand. And so we take our hand off the stove. Like, like we turn away from things that are scary, things that are bad for us, things that are poisonous. Like, this is how we stayed alive way, way, way back in the day before we had the prefrontal cortex that could overthink everything. Our lower brain needed to seek pleasure and avoid pain to 
to survive, to survive in the world. And so thank goodness, right? Like, thank goodness your brain works like this. This is exactly how your brain should work. And I think that's a really important point to make, just so you know, because sometimes we get so frustrated with the way we are and the way things turn out for us because of our brains. But I want you to understand that there's nothing wrong with it, that that's that's what we are given, and therefore we need to make our best choices with what we've got. Your brain seeks pleasure and avoids pain. And also, and also, your super impressive, amazing, fascinating, glorious brain is also really, really, really good at being efficient. Your brain it loves to think the same things over and over. I mean, and it doesn't care what it is that you're thinking. I mean, your brain doesn't care what the thought is. Your brain simply cares about being efficient. Your brain, as a biological organism, has biological imperatives. And one of them is to stay alive, of course. But the other one is to stay the same. And the third one is to get better at doing things so that it can stay the same. And what that means is that once you've had a thought that you've, you know, maybe had a couple of times that seems to be working for you more or less, your brain is just going to keep bringing that thought back. It's just going to keep bringing it back up again and again and again because it's super efficient at it. Your brain doesn't care if it's a thought that doesn't actually feel pleasurable because the pleasure is in the familiarity, the efficiency. So here's what happens. So this is this is why emotional eating is such a double whammy in our lives. What happens is we feel because of, you know, things happening in the world. I mean, your boss yells at you or, you know, something breaks and you're angry or upset or whatever. You, something happens and you feel something negative, some kind of a feeling that you don't like that is painful, perhaps, something like stress or sadness or anger or grief or frustration or embarrassment or fear or shame or anxiety or boredom or panic or disappointment. And yes, I made a list of all those things and it's not super exhaustive, but but these were like the negative emotions that I could come up with off the top of my head. These are things that, that I don't like feeling, that I don't like feeling and I don't like being in situations where I am feeling, you know, embarrassed or fear or disappointment. And because of the way your brain is hardwired, we seek to avoid that. This negative feeling comes up and we're like, whoa, 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 uh-uh, I don't want to feel that, so I'm going to go seek something pleasurable. And here's the thing, eating is pleasurable. No matter, no matter what our higher brain would would like us to believe about, you know, food is fuel, food is life, food is simply energy. Those are lovely, lovely thoughts. But the fact is, food is pleasurable. And it's supposed to be, as we already discussed, this is why we exist as a species. Food is pleasurable. Our brains are hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Being hungry is painful. Eating food is pleasurable. This is literally the first thing that we learn when we are born. You pop out and the first thing we do is feed you. 
Food is pleasure. Food is love. Food is life. Therefore, it is probably one of the easiest and, I mean, in our modern culture, it's certainly, certainly the most convenient pleasure that we can seek. When we are seeking to avoid pain and feel pleasure, food is readily available. And, and, here's the thing. When, when we overeat, even though our, our higher brain is like so disgusted by that, so angry, so frustrated, all these what feels like negative emotions, right? We get down on ourselves and we feel so bad that we overate or that we ate instead of, you know, dealing with whatever the situation was. But because we've done that more than one time in our lifetimes, my friends, that train of thought is also pleasurable because it's familiar. Thinking bad things about yourself and your overeating is a pleasure to your brain. Isn't that weird when you think about it like that? Because of course it doesn't feel good. After you overeat, you feel so disappointed. You feel so frustrated. You feel so angry at yourself again. And it's like, like we were talking about, like I felt this bad feeling and then I overate and now I still feel bad. It's like I'm kicking myself when I'm down. But to your brain, the part of your brain that is seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, thinking familiar thoughts, being efficient, is pleasurable. Your brain, as far as it's concerned, is like, man, I have done my job here today. (laughs) Your brain is super happy. It's sending out all of its like happy chemicals because your brain has done the job that it's supposed to do. Isn't that crazy? And so this is actually not the number one practical step. It's going to be later, but I'm, you know me, I'm always all about the spoiler alerts. I tell you what, I have a really hard time with this. I, I already know where I'm going to go with this conversation and I just want to tell you now. So I'm just going to tell you now. Understanding that this is such a normal, natural process and this is exactly the way your brain is supposed to work and this is exactly what your brain is supposed to do, doesn't that kind of feel like a relief? Like there's nothing wrong with you. This isn't a problem for you. Except for the fact that I understand that it feels like a problem. And so we are going to discuss, like, like, what do you do? I mean, how in the world can you not overeat? Because, uh, you know, overeating or even, or even just eating when you don't mean to. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're trying to lose weight or trying to maintain your weight or you're fine with your weight and it has nothing to do with your weight. But, but doing something that feels out of control isn't pleasurable, that that feels like a problem that needs to be solved. And so let's solve that problem. But let's also understand that it's not quite the problem that you think it is. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. These, I have three steps for you. They're not easy. <laughs> they're, they're simple. It's very straightforward. It is a process that you can follow every time. It's, it's kind of like I told my kids when they were very first learning how to write an essay. It's like, there's a formula. It's very simple. It's a five paragraph essay. You know, you introduce it, you give your three supporting facts, and then you conclude it. And in each paragraph, you do that exact same thing. Like, just plug in the formula 
and the essay writes itself. That's kind of how I feel about this formula that I'm about to give you. You follow these steps every time and it's incredibly simple if you can look at it scientifically. You, you just follow the three steps. But but because it's emotions and it's because it's like negative emotions, it's our scary feelings, our dark feelings, feelings we don't want to feel, it's painful things that we are actively trying to avoid in order to seek pleasure, this process can feel very difficult. But here's what it is. You feel your feelings, my friends. <laughs> rather than, rather than simply letting your brain take over and do something instinctual by seeking pleasure and avoiding the pain of your negative emotions. You need to stop and feel the negative emotions. And here's the three steps. You identify it, you describe it, and you let it dissipate. And it's really simple but it's gonna take some practice. It's gonna take some work. The first thing, identifying it. I think I think most of us, and I don't know if this is actually true, I'm, I'm very emotional. I have a, what I would consider a broad emotional vocabulary. Like, I, I enjoy parsing out the nuances of what I am feeling and what other people are feeling and why they're feeling it and what they might be thinking. Like, I love thinking about, not always feeling, but at least thinking about my feelings. So, so I'm pretty good at identifying my feelings. I know for some people, this is a little bit harder, like putting it into words and even saying, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. Some of us, I mean, because of the way we were brought up, you know, just shove your emotions down, don't think about them, don't talk about them. Some of us really have a difficult time saying the words or even identifying, like, what is what is this feeling I'm feeling? Am I angry or am I sad? They can feel kind of similar. So, so even though I'm calling it step one, it's not, it's not super important that you have the exact right label on your feelings. Really, in a broader sense, recognize that you are feeling something. Recognize that you are having a negative emotion. Identifying it as an emotion and as something that is painful or difficult or negative or bad or whatever word you want to put on it. Identifying it is step one because so often we don't even notice it. <laughs> so often we actually just kind of skip this part and go straight to the pantry. But we also sometimes notice that something you know bad happened or whatever. It, it kind of depends on the actual situation identifying that you are feeling a feeling is step one. Number two is to describe it. And this doesn't have to take a long time, but the reason you're doing this is to get in touch with what the emotion is doing in your body. Here's the thing about feelings. I know I know we we give them great power. I mean, when you feel something, it feels so big. It feels like it's almost outside of your body. It feels gigantic and uncontrollable sometimes. But all feelings, good feelings, bad feelings, neutral feelings, all feelings are actually physical sensations. They are vibrations inside 
your body. Feelings are not outside of you. Feelings are not painful in the sense of they can't actually hurt you. Feelings are vibrations. And so the reason we describe it, honestly, is to get a little bit kind of clinical and analytical about it. Like, what does this feel like in my body right now? Well, my chest feels tight and I'm having a difficult time breathing and my heart is beating really fast and I feel like my skin is kind of tingling and I'm a little bit buzzing and my brain feels like it's kind of wrinkling and my stomach feels like it's clenching. When you start using language on your feelings, you are able to take a step back from them and not entirely detach, but get a little bit of detachment from them. And it is actually, it's, it's, this is a theory on my part, just so you know, it's kind of moving the feeling from your lower brain, which can only feel things up into your higher brain, which uses language to describe something. Therefore, it gives you a little bit of perspective and space away from the feeling to be in your head and using your language. So, again, you don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but describing your feelings will help you take a little bit of space from them. And then, and then here's the important part that so many of us don't realize, your feeling will dissipate. We talked about this last week and I've talked about it a couple of times now. And again, I'm going to refer you to Mel Robbins, who I love so much, but she talks about how feelings can only last for 90 seconds. And I know that you know this and I know this, but sometimes I have to remind myself of this, that our brains can't really hang on to anything for a very long time and our bodies can't do something for a very long time, when you feel a feeling, it naturally dissipates on its own because because your adrenaline only lasts so long. The hormones that are creating that buzzing feeling, the heart pumping, the heavy breathing, they cannot, they're not meant to, I mean, they physically do not sustain themselves for a long amount of time. And you know this when, like, when you slam on your brakes because you've almost hit a deer or something, and, you know, you feel that, <gasps> that panic, that rush, and your, you know, your heart is pounding, and then, you know, your fight or flight, your adrenaline, it leaves you. Feelings are like that. Now, here's why we think that feelings will last longer. Here's what happens. We covered this last week. Your thoughts create feelings. And we already know that your thoughts get super efficient. When you think, ah, my boss, he was so mean to me. He said that mean thing. You're recreating the feeling every time you think the thought. And you're going to have to notice it every time. When you let the feeling dissipate, but then your brain comes back around to that thought again of, he's such a jerk, he did me wrong, I'm so angry, this was a situation I had nothing to do with, I'm so frustrated. You're going to have to identify it, describe it, and let it dissipate. Now, the, the kind of hidden step four is to pay attention to those thoughts that are creating the feelings. And that is something that 
you can have some control over also. That is, it's kind of its own separate process though, which is why I'm not really talking about it a lot today because there are a couple of different thoughts that you might want to think in this scenario. Generally speaking, the thought that I love to think in almost all scenarios is I forgive and I let go. Because that for me is a very, it's a very calming sentence. It's a very blanket sentence. I forgive the person who made me mad, who made me panic, who made me feel embarrassed, whatever, or especially if it's me, I forgive and I let go. And it reminds me that that feeling will dissipate. Now, here's the thing about this process, really specifically as it relates to emotional eating. Because here's the thing, you can actually do this process for anything. Emotional eating is one of the things that we do. There are other pleasures that you might seek. And honestly, it's any, it's anything that helps you escape from feeling a feeling. Some of us, and I'm raising my hand on this, we pick up our phones and we start scrolling because we would rather think about nothing than think about the thing that is scary or embarrassing or fearful or anxious or whatever. Some of us reach for a bottle of wine. Some of us watch TV. Some of us go to sleep. There are some actions that don't they don't affect us as much as others, but all of them are still, they're still the same thing. It's an escape from feeling our feelings. And here's the thing that, that I have found on my emotional eating journey. Sometimes I still emotionally eat, even, even after I have done all this thought work, even after I have practiced feeling my feelings, sometimes I still head for the pantry. And here's what you can do in this situation. You can still follow these three steps. Identify what you're feeling, describe what you're feeling, and let it dissipate. And that works also for the feelings that you feel about the eating, not even the original feeling, the stress that caused the eating, which, I mean, it didn't cause it. The stress, the stress was what it was. And then you had a thought about the stress and then the thought gave you a feeling that you didn't like, that you tried to escape because your brain wants to avoid pain and seek pleasure. But here's the thing. You can do this process after you've eaten. It gets better if you can do it before or during or, you know, right before. It gets better and you will be less likely to emotionally eat the sooner you can start the process of feeling your feelings. But sometimes, sometimes this stuff is still going to happen. And then you have to feel the feelings that you feel about letting it happen. <laughs> there is always, always time for you to feel your feelings. And it is always a good idea. Practicing feeling your feelings will will help you in so many ways in your life. I mean, honestly, emotional eating is just one of them. But when you start to understand your feelings and how to feel them and go through this process of identifying it and describing it and letting it dissipate, you will find that you get more efficient at it. 
Isn't that amazing? And then, and then, your brain, loving to be efficient, is going to get better at simply feeling the feelings in the moment. Right now, this feels like a clunky process. Like, like you almost have to just sit down and remind yourself and take a couple of deep breaths and like think real hard about it and, and okay, what am I doing now and what's happening next? It feels difficult and your brain is going to resist that. Of course it is because, because difficult isn't pleasurable. Difficult is pain. Difficult is something that your brain is trying to avoid. But once you've thought these thoughts, once you've felt these feelings, once you've started to work and practice this process, you will get better at it. You will get more efficient at it and it won't be so hard. Some of the feelings honestly, are easier to deal with than others. I mean, boredom is actually a good place to start. The next time you feel bored and you want to go eat, that's a great one because there's not such a big emotional charge. You don't feel that one deeply in your body the way that you feel embarrassment or grief or anger or fear. So practice on some of your littler negative emotions before you graduate up to the bigger ones. And then simply practice. I mean, like almost everything, I can't think of a time when I have offered you practical advice that did not include the step of practicing. You got to practice it to get better at it, my friends. And the thing is, this is a process that's going to take some time. I, I have spent... I have spent years emotionally eating. I mean, again, I think it's super, super common. I don't even think that's like something that, that people don't do. I think we all have some experience with trying to escape our emotions. And I'm still working on this. This is still a work in progress for me to identify what it is that I'm feeling and describe it to myself and let it dissipate. Don't be impatient with this process, my friends, because being impatient, it's a negative feeling, (laughs) and you're going to want to avoid it. (laughs) You guys, I really, really hope that this was helpful for you to really understand why we do the things we do, and to have some practical steps for moving forward that can really help you feel in control of the situation. That that feels maybe out of your control right now. This is something that you are 100% capable of managing. And you know that I would love to hear about it. Like always, like always, you can leave a comment. Come find me. Let's chat about this. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. Mm